up to him, and yeah, you're right. He he offers him five thousand dollars if he will kill him. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's a, it's got a little bit of that double indemnity quality of you know he's doing it a little bit for the business and for yeah. the insurance money, et also, cetera, et cetera. Also, I, w- I will note uh, mention. Uh, I love the way that they shoot George throughout this film. Uh, Orson Welles always has these really weird angled close-ups, and George yes. has this, and he's so sweaty, sweaty yeah, and so and he crazy has this <laughs> delivery that's very chaotic and and um, sporadic, and and the way that he even delivers lines, he like elongates words oddly, and there's just something so off-putting about his character and the way that Orson films him. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. I, 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 it's later on somewhere in my notes, but I, I have to find that exact line that he says where he, he says something while they're driving in the car that I remember <laughs> yeah. just being like, no one would say something like that yeah, in the and way it, that he said it, it. There's such a weird close-up of his face while he's doing it too. It's, it's very off-putting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I, I, I did know right away that this whole idea of him being swept up in the this sort of like romantic dream of running away with the beautiful blonde woman and saving her from the sort of like criminals that she has uh, you know found herself uh, trapped within or indebted to in some capacity and and he views himself as like a, a traditional hero who's you know gonna get the woman out of that and he's in love with her and so when we get into this plot of you know they find out that you know he's killed someone and he says you know I killed someone in in the war. Um, I didn't like straight up, you know, murder, uh, someone, but he says, look, would you kill me for money? And he views that as, well, this guy's going to commit suicide anyway. Um, so I, I technically I could, and then I could use that money and me and, you know, Elsa could, you know, get out of here. And, you know, there's, so it's interspersed scenes of this business transaction, this criminal business transaction, and then the romantic qualities are, you know, they're, they're not quite entangled, but there mm-hmm. is, he's connecting them together personally because he wants to use that money to sort of like escape with her. Right. So it, all of a sudden, you know, we'll have this scene of, you know, uh, a very blatant business transaction of death and then her, you know, being like, uh, you know, singing her song about, you know, don't hold me, but if you hold me, you know, don't take your, your, your arms away. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she talks about too, you know, the idea of, you know, um, human nature being eternal and that those who love passionately, uh, are cured of love by the end. And, you know, she, she's starting to say, you know, these, these sort of like very poetic romantic conversations that they're having with each other, essentially about the big philosophical questions of love and life and, and all these things. And the first hint that something is just too good to be true, really, uh, kind of hits during that big picnic scene where they has, because she says, I want to have a picnic. And next thing they know, they have grounded the boat and there's like, uh, 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 torches and like a giant tribe party that gets yeah. like planned within like an hour and it's this giant beautiful location work i'm, I'm assuming that's what they what they shot in sort of al capoco and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah um and at this point too he realizes that an investigator has been brought in to watch the wife uh presumably because you know the the husband might think that you know there's something going on with with her and the boat boy and yeah. again because the husband is also being like weirdly pursuing him as an employee despite clearly just for the wife but you know he's not sure how much of this is like a planned trap and he or, or and <laughs> yeah. how much he's walking into it you, you can never really tell because again so even though the sequences are traditional sometimes the actors are delivering them funny like the the 
uh, Everett Sloan as Arthur Bannister, the disabled lawyer, he will just like straight up just emphasize like these weird things about like, you know, why don't you want to work for me, Sonny? Uh, yeah. are, are, are you uh, independently wealthy? Uh, and he says, uh, I'm independent. And then he says, of money? <laughs> yeah. <And> like, <laughs> so... So there's there, there's there's great little conversations that they have too, and one of my favorite scenes um, in the film is uh, during this uh, picnic scene, where um, Orson Welles relates the story on the sea that he has while you know he he's looking at Grisby, he's looking at Bannister, he's looking at um, Elsa. They're all sitting together, and each one of them, as we find out later in the film, each one of them is plotting something. And each one of them is planning on using, in some capacity, Orson Welles' character, Michael O'Hara, to uh, reach the end of their plot, which involves a lot of double-crossing and murder and stuff. And we'll get into that when we get into the big surrealist finale about what exactly it is that happened there. Yeah. But he gives this monologue where, um, you know, he was out... Uh, on the ocean that he said was so darkened with blood it was black and the sun was fading away over the lip of the sky and they decided that they were going to do some idle shark fishing um, and there were so many sharks it was like the the sea was made of sharks and that there was no water at all and that each shark caught a, uh, a piece of the scent and the stain um, because one of them was caught in one of the hooks and started bleeding everywhere. And then there was a lust for murder in the air, the smell of death reeking out of the sea. I never saw anything worse until this picnic. And you're thinking, <laughs> this picnic is fucking beautiful. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? And then he clarifies, and you know, there wasn't one of those sharks that survived in that whole crazy pack. They all basically cannibalized each other to death. And yeah. you realize that he was actually talking about the three of them. And that this very sort of poetic image of of sharks literally tearing each other to shreds for no reason that is what he feels like this situation is yeah. and despite that he keeps walking into it <laughs> he's he's like there's a chance she's so beautiful she's so incredible uh, and she's, you know, she, th this, this beautiful image of this woman is, is so overpowering what? and entrancing that it overpowers his own instinct that she is a fucking shark. <laughs> do you, do you think that there's something, uh, like, cause Michael's character is, is clearly kind of very naive, very, and it's odd mm -hmm. though, because like the naivety comes from, it, it's, it's not necessarily like he's not aware.